Well, hey, my name is Eric Marquez, and in the studio today, I have two great men that I respect very highly. I got first Pastor Danny Lopez I'm from here. New Life Community Church East, East Humble Park. Humble That's Park. a long name, man. Come on, man. Right? Yeah, it's got depth. I mean, if it you want to learn depth. the alphabet, learn how to say Come the on. name of your church. Yeah. There you go, right? And then we got <laughs> Pastor John Palmieri, the man. Hey, great the man. to be the here with yeah. you today, yes. Eric. And, and you're New Life Elgin, right? New Life that, Community Church in Elgin. That's right. All right, cool. Yes. So uh, I got I got a kickoff question, right? This is all about restarts. We're going to be talking about restarts, and for our listeners, just kind of um, everything that we've learned as a church over the last couple decades, right? right. Um, to kind of give away to help help anybody that might be in that situation or to learn about that situation, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe just <clears throat> give some uh, some wisdom so they uh, they can uh, navigate what we've learned maybe from hitting our head a couple mm-hmm. times, right? right. Uh, but as we kind of open up this idea, and we're going we're gonna to talk about what are restarts and things like that, but what excites you about talking about restarts and giving what we've learned away? Any one of you guys? I was um, thinking about that and felt that I, I, I'm excited about talking about this because as I'm, as I'm seeing and witnessing uh, older churches that at one time you know, were established and they were they were the center of a community. That's no longer true in our culture, but that uh, these churches are shutting down or they're closing down. Pastors didn't know how to how to cast vision or whatever happened. But either way, these old buildings and churches are shutting down. And so, thank God they're able to call uh, um, call us and yeah. say, "Hey, listen, we don't want this this church that was the center of the community to shut down. We need uh, to be." St- we need fresh vision. We need fresh life. Can we start over, man? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. I almost spilled my coffee. <laughs> Did you guys see that? I, I thought you like, said to leave that stuff, I went man. Like this. <laughs> 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 and it just threw me out like this in the camera. <laughs> That's like, when you look in the. That's uh, when you. Look, that's when you look in the camera. You're like, whatever, man. You know. <laughs> That's why yeah, these right. are better. Just be audio. Oh man! <laughs> all right, all take right. take three, Danny. At least we're laughing. And this time, Danny, it's going to be so profound because you've had two times to now, go through it. You want me to start now, man. <laughs> The thoughts gone. No. Think about his coffee. You know. <laughs> all right, here we go. Take three. So you know the question, right? What excites you about talking about restarts and giving this hard-learned wisdom? away the reason why i really like talking about this topic is because as i'm as i'm working closer in communities i'm seeing that churches that have been there for 100 125 years they're shutting down or they're being turned into condos or lofts Mm. thank god that we can come in and bring fresh life fresh vision into something that had been established but throughout the years has started to die yeah but we insist on not allowing what god had started to die mm. you know so this excites me because we're, we're moving forward and we're going into a new generation we're raising up a new generation of people or we're, we're bringing a new season into a, into a community that uh, that needs jesus mm. so we refuse to let anything die yeah, i like that what about mm. you john where I just want to say it's great to be here with you guys this morning. Yeah. Two uh, handsome young lads. Mm, thank and, you. Uh, thank you. I get to be here with a little bit of gray hair on the chin. <laughs> uh, I'm getting some. I just shaved it off. <laughs> I've earned each one of these gray hairs, most of them from restarts. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, I, I do get excited. I've you know been part of New Life for, for 30 years and uh, have been involved in restarts, been able to 
to, to plant really about, uh, well, four, technically four. You could arguably say five if you go back to our 44th and Polina days. Yeah, because uh, that was all you, right? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> of course, right. It's always been me. <laughs> now, uh, that's another story. Hopefully, we'll get there. But um, what I get excited about when we talk about restarts, and I'm sure we'll define restarts here in a little bit, but I'm an evangelist at heart. And whenever I can talk about how to revitalize the church, I know that the end game is going to be making disciples yeah. and bringing glory to our awesome God, right? And so that's why I get excited about it, because I know if we can get churches to a healthy place, that that's God's primary design to win the world mm. to Jesus Christ. Amen. The local church. And so, yeah, the local church. But there's also other things, too, that I get excited about. Here's an opportunity uh, to plant a church to revitalize the church so that there's a center of hope and, and a lighthouse in a community. Mm. Also giving um, an opportunity for a young pastor to join on board with the New Life team where he's a part of a team and he's able to jump into a pastorate where he's not all by himself. Mm. So it's a great on-ramp, so to speak, to the, to the pastorate really. Uh, in a lot of ways for, for young pastors to jump in, and they're not all by themselves, but they're, they're put in, a, in a, a location. The church is happy because they got a pastor. Mm. Uh, the pastor feels supported. He's got a team around him. He's got admin. He's got guys that he can kind of unwind with on a, on a Monday when we have our staff meetings and that kind of thing. Yeah. So all, all of it together, I think, full circle is what gets me excited. I just think it's a great approach to church health. Yeah. I like that. I think you, you you nailed it right on the head. We want to start with what is a restart, yeah. right? And so, John, if you could take us back, as you said, you've been here for 30 years, you know, at New Life Community Church. You've seen it all, man. You were there, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I know you, uh, I was there too, but I was a lot younger and uh, a lot. <laughs> you lot, were in my wife's Sunday as, school class. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't, a, I wasn't much taller than I am now, but I mean, uh, <laughs> but I was young, you know, yeah. and, um, but talk to us about what is a restart? Uh, you know, how is a restart different from, you know, some would call it a merge or or a, or um, a church plant. Um, you know, define for us what a restart is. Maybe even tell us um, how New Life stumbled upon that terminology and and came upon that. Just just kind of give us a big picture. Well, a, a restart in, in simple terms is really um, just a, a, con a continuation of something that God's already begun a long time ago, before New Life ever arrived on the scene. Uh, but but a church who has, for various reasons, uh, come on some hard, difficult times. So and for various reasons, we could talk about those. But what a restart is 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 coming back in and revitalizing a church so that it becomes a more relevant to the community. And when I say relevant, I don't just mean relevant to make the community feel good, but I'm talking about relevant in the sense of making a difference mm. in the community bringing a, a real message of hope and restoration and healing into a community and, of course, salvation. So uh, that's, what, that's what a restart is in simple terms. Um, how we stumbled into it, I think that's kind of a good way to put it because we've never really um, intentionally sought out and knocked on doors to, to do restarts. We've always kind of looked for uh, what we call God activity. Mm. What is God doing? Mm. Um, and how can we cooperate with what God is doing? So oftentimes it'll be a phone call or it'll be a, connect, a relational connection somehow. Uh, we don't have this corporate plan where we go out and knock on doors and try to claim territory or anything like that. It's just so anti-new life. I mean, it's mm. not how we, we really look at how, how God's doing it and how he can put it together. 
we um the very first restart uh, which we didn't call it a restart back in those days that terminology restart multi-site that that terminology wasn't even in existence we just knew that there was a church in back of the yards mm-hmm. on 44th and Polina that had about 17 people that had come across some hard times. It had a good, rich faith history, which most of the restarts that we do have. Um, but it was a church that was, that was struggling. And, and the story is in our uh, God Was Already Here video. People can tap into that and take a look at it to get the more detail. But the short story is that Mark came in, Mark Joe came in, who was my roommate at Moody, yeah, I discipled him and led him to the Lord and baptized Thank him. Thank you for that. Super too, proud man. of my Thank disciple. You for that. You know, that's what makes you so great. <laughs> that's right. But um, <laughs> he came in and, and started working with the church. The church over over just a short period of time started really growing, moving from that 17 people to a, uh, just a lot of people. I joined in about a year and a half in, and uh, several other Moody guys from Moody, a bunch of us that went to Moody, started just jumping in and doing ministry. We were yeah. young. We were in our 20s. We had a lot of energy really didn't know what we were doing to yeah. be quite frank we just loved jesus yeah and uh and did a lot of church but that kind of, that really was a restart in a lot yeah. of ways it was a pre-existing church mm-hmm. with faithful people faithful praying people that were holding it together a small band of of older ladies were praying every wednesday they would gather together and they'd pray hard and seek god and ask for god to move in this church that had historical deep historical faith roots and over time, the church began to grow and grew out of that building, and we started asking questions about what it would look like yeah. to reach the city, and and that was that's uh, that's when my family actually started coming to New Life. My mother took us to that little church in Forty uh, Fourth and Polina. Yes, I was about four or five years old when we started going there. I remember you. You were in my wife's Sunday school yep, class, yep, actually. I remember that. And uh, great, great family, great God story right there. Yeah. And you take that story and multiply it over and over and over again, and you begin to start to see how, how God took this little church yeah. that he didn't give up on, mm-hmm. and was it was at a place where it was ready to, to, to make a move. And again, we weren't thinking restart. We were just thinking lead people to Jesus, love people, love God, yeah. and it kind of blossomed into this thing. But that same kind of mentality, I think very, from the very beginning, a mentality of what is God doing, and how can we cooperate with Him? Yeah, so. so so it's safe to say that restarts, even in its origin back in 44th and Palina, wasn't that, oh, there's this leader who is the savior of this hurting congregation, mm-hmm. and it's uh, some strategy that somebody wrote on on how they're going to, uh, um, you know, maybe infiltrate or 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 be successful with church planning in a, in a Chicago, in a city metro area. This was more of like, God, what are you doing, right. and how could we be a part of what you're doing? How do we, how do we answer? How do we be the hands and feet of what you right. want us to do? Right. Right. Um, it was the it was the message that compelled us, not the methodology. Hmm. The message of Christ crucified, the message of hope in Jesus, the message of healing and restoration of of soul and spirit. Uh, that's what drove us. The methodology always changes, and to mm-hmm. this day changes. Yeah. I think that's one of our strengths is we've always kind of gone in saying. Um, Yes, God, we want to reach as many people as we can, and if we need to change the methodology to do that, we will. And that's kind of how the whole restart thing happened. Now, we've grown over the years. We've learned a lot of yeah, lessons. Yeah, a couple of decades, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and we've you know learned a lot of, a lot of things and how we do restarts. We're still learning, too. We've mm-hmm. never arrived. Every restart is distinct. There's some commonalities, but everyone's distinct. Yeah, and so think about that, like the— 
the first restart, you know, which we can say was 44th and Polina, that's where kind of New Life um, became New Life Community Church, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, Pastor Mark came, and then the name of the church changed from what it was to New Life Community which, Church. Which, by the way, the name was Berean Memorial Baptist Church. I remember that. Yeah, and most people were kind of scared of that name. I was, too. I was a moody grad, and I didn't even know what a Berean was. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a green Berean, right? A green, <laughs> a Berean, a, a Berean Memorial. And, and so, you know, I was there. I remember when we did the name change, and, yeah. uh, and there was no New Life Community Church at that time. There's That name was not popular at all. Now it's super popular. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, those were some of the changes and shifts that we—and we were doing restart work. We just didn't call it restart. Multi-site, yeah. the terminology multi-site wasn't around at that time either. Yeah. So we were we were pioneering it, but didn't even really know it at that time. Yeah. So, so talk about that. So first, you know, was the church in 44th and Polina— and um, and then we begin into without even knowing the restart terminology, we just began to follow God into these opportunities where we mm-hmm. saw maybe churches that were um, struggling for various reasons, looking for hope mm-hmm. and help. Um, and then New Life was able to step in. Talk about maybe one of the early experiences, one of the first stories besides Forty uh, Fourth and Polina. Do you recall what that was? And yeah. I'll call that the experiment, right? Because nobody knew what they were doing. We're just kind of like, <laughs> kind of like the Braille method, right? We're just kind of feeling this out right. uh, to see what happens and, and asking God for wisdom. Maybe tell us a little yeah. bit about that story. Well, I love the, the God was already here uh, video that we have that's out because that tells that was our first video. We all look a little bit younger back in that video too, <laughs> which is always a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we were in the early days. Uh, we were approached by. Uh, Chuck McCruder. It was about 20 years ago, and uh, for, uh, he was he was actually an elder at Galilee Baptist at the time on the north side of Chicago, and approached Mark and uh, talked about the idea of how how could we come in and help him. Now at that time we were here on the south side of Chicago. We thought, ah, eh, you know, do we really? You know, that's a that's a long distance going up to the north side. We didn't at first. Yeah, there's we, Cub fans up there. I don't know. If we want to go up there. <laughs> yeah, we love Cub fans too, there, bro. Like your <laughs> they hat. Need, they need Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But anyways, that that story began. That was really our first start where we we really began to intentionally. Begun began to do restarts where we stepped in and tried to help the church. Um, various ways, made a couple shifts and changes, and and we were pleasantly surprised at how much of a positive experience it was. I think a lot of it had to do with just good old Chuck. If you know, if you know Chuck, he loves the Lord. Uh, he's got his uh, heart on the message of Christ. So mm-hmm. methodology was not that consequential to him. Uh, there were some ju- adjustments in the music and the preaching and so forth, and just a different interface to the community, and uh, that became. A real positive experience. So when the next time came up, which was in Melrose Park in 2001, yeah, uh, we were ready to we were ready to step into that with a little bit more intention. We still didn't really quite know exactly what we were doing. We didn't know who was going to lead it uh, at that time, and uh, that's kind of morphed us into there. But a good positive experience the first time around. Yeah. And so, which location did that end up becoming? That became uh, New Life uh, Lakeview. Lakeview. New okay. Life Lake, which was Galilee Baptist Church. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. And so what would you say, like, what were some of the things, if you can, you know, I mean, that's a long time ago, but, like, right. some of the things that going into that experience, even though it was positive, that you learned that made you feel confident about going into the Melrose Park um, opportunity, what were some things that 
because um, there's always like you know positive things or negative things like oh man if we if we could do it differently we'll do this differently or hey this really worked let's keep that were there any things that popped out um, that you, you remember I think just the whole I the restorative nature of of that of that work of God the history that was there of Galilee Baptist a rich and, and deep history and when I say history I mean a faith history of people sacrificing and praying Mm. and believing God back in the heyday of the 40s and 50s when churches were packed, Mm -hmm. right? And people went to church. Mm. Uh, Of course, time shifts and moves over time, but there's something very satisfying of doing a restart, moving towards the grand opening, all the energy and momentum, seeing new people come and stay, and then to see a chuck in the foyer during a service, tearing up and welling up mm. because the church is full again and people are coming to know Christ. And there's some, and I've seen that over and over again, Eric and Danny. I've mm. seen it where elders who, who navigated through the, the, the faith step of doing a restart, uh, oftentimes crying in the foyer as they stand in the back and they look at seeing the church filled with young families and so forth. Yeah. That doesn't always happen that quickly, but boy, it was just something satisfying about it. And I think that's what kind of energized us, saying there is a, there is a theology of place. There's a theology of of, uh, of here's a building that's been set here, a design and by the providence of God to be at that location and mm-hmm. to do everything we can uh, to to restore that work and, and make it so that it's contextualized to the community and and fruitful. Yeah, that that got us set up for Melrose Park. But even in Melrose Park, you know, we we didn't know for sure. Now, Melrose Park was unique because it was a a fairly healthy church, but it was transition. It was in transition. And the pastor, uh, Scott Nichols, who did a great job uh, there, uh, knew enough to transition it over in a in a excuse me, in a changing community. He knew enough to switch it over. And that's how we kind of through a series of relationships got connected and uh and had a had a meeting there to transition into new life so so you weren't really familiar with the community there and the culture that was no we really we really weren't melrose park was uh i mean i got a phone call from pastor mark i was in the business world at that time and uh i got a phone call from mark and uh he said hey john you know there's this little church in melrose park i was like i didn't know where melrose park was i remember (laughs) the next day i drove down into melrose park to see the church wow uh just kind of did a drive by there and, uh, you know, there was a meeting. Maybe you should define what a drive-by <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> we are in Chicago, Chicago land, so, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. It was just one of those nice, prayerful drive-bys. <laughs> Non-violent. 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 There you go. Prayerful. An exploration An drive. explorative drive. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So anyways, and uh, met with that that group. Ton of ton of great uh, stories there. A powerful, supernatural work of God. We just celebrated 20 years. Yeah. Mm. Uh, at, in September, it was a 20-year anniversary for New Life Melrose Park. Yeah. Which was uh, an astounding work of God. From that little location, which we planted, which we had no idea. Like, when we went in there, there was no budget set for it. There was... Um, we didn't have a budget. We didn't. We just said, "Okay, let's see how God's going to move." It's like God activity again, right? Yeah. We learned from that that we needed to make some adjustments and kind of prepare for what the future might bring. Uh, but went in there with with really no budget and uh, and just said, "Okay, let's just cooperate with God and what He's doing." And there were a couple of things that came into play to uh, to make that successful. Um, but yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I think. Um, one of the things, and, and Danny, I mean, you're you're kind of new uh, or currently in a restart opportunity, right? And uh, you just started it 
that yeah, it's new just life. A few months old, yeah, right? just a few months old. So this this will be good. But both of you can talk to this. But how is a restart? How is a restart even considered um, from new like as New Life Community Church, the leadership of New Life Community Church? Um, how do we even consider that? What what types of um, have we learned to put on some um, some standards for? Yes, we'll move into a situation like this, or no, we we don't think we can really uh, help in that type of uh, situation. And you know, I mean, you can even use your, your current example of what what were the green lights that like yes, we can do this. Um, and John, maybe you can talk about things we've learned to set up. As, I'll, I'll uh, give I'll give my perspective, and then I'd, okay. I'd love to hear yours. Sure. We were already in the in the area for, for in our situation. We were in the area. We had been in the area already for like six years in the Logan Square slash Humble Park. Uh, so we were close. So I was familiar with the culture, with the community, and what God was doing there already. We were doing well. We were moving and grooving. The church was healthy. It was growing, and then just like John had mentioned earlier, you get phone calls. You know, there's this, this church or other churches, they, they hear about our story, what God is doing, and they, give, they, they make a phone call. In our situation, uh, a person who had formerly attended this church knew John, so they gave John the call. And then from that point on, uh, John started the conversation with the elders or the leaders from that location that knew that um, they just knew this church couldn't die but yet mm. they knew it was headed in that direction because all their doors were closing, which was interesting because their doors were closing, but yet God saw us and God used us as, as an open door. So it's almost like God had just preordained this. Mm. You know, God has his plan, God activity. He mm. has a plan. Mm. So at that point. Yeah. So, so help me with the question again. Yeah, so like how does New Life determine or how is a restart opportunity considered? Right. So let's say you get a phone call, right, from a church. Right. You know, this also lends to the question, like, have we ever said no? And right. why did we say no? Right. You know, right. so kind of give us a... So, so you know, again, it comes, it comes down to the God activity through a series of relationships. We were contacted uh, by a friend of an elder couple that was at Melrose Park. So they had, mm. had a positive experience and said, here, you should contact... Uh, new life and they, they gave me a call and over a period of six months we kind of talked back and forth a little bit um, until I felt like it was ready you know for us to, to maybe take it to another level and uh, so so again God activity but also a sense of chemistry you know is there a, does it seem like this is a group of people that is that that wants to move forward that is at a place where yeah where they really want to move forward, or is it going to be something where we're where we're pulling teeth? <clears throat> That's mm. kind of the distinction between a restart and a and a, a classic church plant. Mm. Classic church plant, I'm going with my own core group of people, and they all want to start new and ready or are ready to take risks. Mm. Restarts are kind of like you're going into a changing a church culture. Uh, there's reasons why a church gets into a restart situation where it mm -hmm. needs a restart, and so there's other barriers you got to kind of overcome that make it a little bit more difficult yeah because you're inheriting you're inheriting a lot of stuff yeah mm -hmm. and um so <clears throat> so anyways we we look for chemistry that's a piece you know that's kind of the the whole idea how does this thing feel uh, that's kind of an intangible in some ways just sometimes you know it you can sense it it doesn't mean it's going to be easy but it, you know, we'll look um 
if there's a leader or not. Sometimes if there's a, a leader there, you know, we'll, we'll have to navigate that. And uh, But we're looking for, uh, ideally, if it's a situation where there's no leader, and the, and the things, what I mean by that is a pastor, it's a little bit easier to navigate. But if there's a pastor there, we'll look at that. Um, and then sometimes just the economies of scale. Does it make sense to do this? Hmm. Or are we just... Um, biting off a, are we doing a, a mortgage rescue for somebody yeah you know what i'm saying now is that something that we've learned the hard way did we ever say yes to something without thinking through those things and typically felt- not 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 on the uh, not on on that economies of scale but we have because we just sent no money so there's not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well that's yeah. Uh, yeah, we do send money we do send money now in the early days there was no money for right. anything i had to raise money for Melrose, I think I got twenty five hundred hours to do a mailing or something, and that's that's it. We've we've learned to contribute a little bit more, but even in our context, relative to you know the, the nation, uh, what we do, we still do it on a very budget scale. Very, I would yeah. say unconventional. Very unconventional. Say? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll typically do a restart for right around the fifty thousand dollar range, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that's that's really really true. So we'll add that in addition to some staff you know as availability is there uh so it's real important that both churches kind of we've learned that both churches should restarts are more expensive than you might think and it's really helpful to do it on a nice conservative budget but it also helps if the church that's in a restart situation will contribute to it too mm-hmm. so that together we can kind of pull the funds together and, and get it just a, a sharper more robust kickoff but to some things we have learned. I mean, you know, I think some things that we do different is typically if there is, uh, and some people might not like to hear this, but it's it's just kind of the facts. Uh, it's a hard, it's a Come hard, on, lay it thing, on us, it's man. a hard thing to lay say, you know. But if there is a pastor that's at a location and it's in a restart situation, we typically would not pull that pastor into the equation. So we would help them maybe transition out of that out of that spot. And start fresh, absolutely fresh, hmm. with a uh, with a new pastor at, at yeah. that work. We've just learned that. Um, I think we intuitively knew it, but we've always had a tender heart to say, "Okay, maybe we can make this work. Maybe we can make this work with Danny." You know, and then we realize, you know, it's just not going to. And but he, so but he just won't leave. It just I know Danny's a hard guy to get rid of. <laughs> no, I'm just playing, I'm playing. <laughs> no, no, I'm not leaving. But. but um, yeah, so that's that's one thing. I think we've also learned that we need to be a little bit more robust. So we actually started uh, over 20 years ago. We started right on the right when we started getting into the second or third restart. We thought, okay, we need to make some budget adjustments hmm. and start making a contribution towards a church plant. How do, how do we how do we do that? Let so, everybody know. So now so now we have uh, we have a, a percentage of our budget, 10 percent of of every locations budget goes towards missions there's part of that that goes towards foreign missions and our work outside of the country and then there's a part of that that goes towards home missions which is our restart fund or not our restart fund our church planting fund yeah so that's for church planting and restarts yeah and every all encompassing it's all encompassing right it's all encompassing and uh and every restart every every new life location makes a contribution back to Mm -hmm. the church planting fund so it's a perpetual perpetually filled all the time so that now when we are in a situation we're not like biting our nails figuring out how we're going to do a 30,000 mailer yeah you know to the community uh you know or how we're going to get like when i was at melrose 
the sound speaker was from the 1950s. It was a box about 12 <laughs> by 12, and it was bolted onto the ceiling, and that was our sound system. Wow. wow. So praise God, I, you know, I, I remember praying, God, we need a sound system, and I got a gift for $3,500. Somebody, wow. somebody that didn't attend, not even from Chicagoland, wrote a wow. check, $3,500. I went to Guitar Center, said, I need this, 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 and that, and it came out to being like, 35 or 34 9 or something like that wow. it was just a few cents yes. below oh, the number boy. it was a god thing and we yeah. were able to get a, a fairly good speaker system there yeah um but we've learned so that's that's a positive thing yeah in that regard so yeah and so once we kind of you know um you know get a call right and maybe there's an initial conversation with uh one of the elders of our church or pastors from our church or leadership team right um, we bring that back to the team. How then is uh, as a decision made, um, you know, to move forward with that? Is it, is it is it after a string of conversations with this church that's looking for a restart, or like where where does the green light come from, and yeah. and and how does that how do we work through that as a team as a church? Well, yeah, the, the green light, Danny, you can speak into this too, but the green light. Um, the green light comes over time. It's kind of a process. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's red right out of the gate. Yeah. Sometimes it's yellow, and then it starts to become more green or starts to become more red, depending on a series of conversations. Yeah. Those conversations will be typically it'll be, okay, we're, we're interested in chatting. Um, I'll, I'll sometimes have an initial phone call. Just recently I had uh, a five months ago a phone call with the church that wanted uh, to, to, to do a restart, which, by the way, post-COVID here, we're getting a lot of restart calls. So the timing of this podcast is, is pretty good. Yeah. Because I think it's going to get the message out that there are other options than, than just selling your building. Yeah. Who, knew, who knows who's going to scoop that building up or that property, yeah. that sacred space. Yeah. It could be something that you really don't want it to become. Yeah. Or that you re- regret that it became that kind of place. Um, so it's through a series of conversations. And then typically we'll have a face-to-face with uh, – the whole congregation and, and chat first we'll meet with the elders we'll then maybe meet with the whole congregation have a talk a q a uh bring in bring in somebody who's had an experience with uh restarts and and as you know they're getting comfortable it's kind of like dating you know they're getting to know us we're getting to know them a little bit and then we just finally come to that place and there's all this underneath of all this there's this admin engine central services at new life it's kind of navigating through some of the legal and contractual kind of issues, all the you know, paperwork side of it, yeah. which there's a lot there. Yeah. Um, and so all that's happening at the same time and begins to move towards the green. But here's the thing. We never, we never push ourselves on anybody. We mm-hmm. say, you know, we want to be invited in. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to force ourselves to be here. Open As hand. a matter of fact, we're looking for it, and we want you to invite us. So yeah. we're not even going to come in and meet with you until you invite us to do it. We're not going to force ourselves and try to, you know, have this kind of corporate mentality. So we, we want to be invited in. And we go in with an open hand. Yeah. You know, here we're going in with an open hand saying, God, you could you could make this thing go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. We're okay with that. If you want it to become part of the new life, uh, restart, fold, and part of that kind of team approach to ministry and evangelism and, and disciple making, then absolutely. But it's an open hand relationship. I think that's important to understand and i think also just to know that we were invited in as opposed to us we're not going to strong arm anybody we'll yeah. walk away and we have walked away 
um, from certain situations. I remember one restart talk, uh, potential talking to a guy, and I'd never met them before. I was invited in. I was real excited to, to have a chance to talk to them. And again, what excites me is, is more the glory of God, and, and I'm not being petty here or cliche-ish. I'm being serious. It's the glory of God and it's evangelism, a means to to tell people about Jesus, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, so I'm excited about that. Hmm. Uh, the building and, and such in the crowns is more of a headache than it is anything, yeah. but it is a nice tool to have. Ain't right? that right, Danny? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Buildings, no, they're, Amen. they're a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Uh, and I remember just this, this fella, he was, I think he was the head guy and um, head, head elder and, and just, just almost was argumentative with me. And I'm thinking, mm. wow, I'm just here to, to talk. And uh, and explore this, and and I, I walked away from that thinking, man, there's no way we're going into this. Yeah. No mm. way. I, who needs that headache? Who is this? What it's going to be like for a young pastor that we put into this location? He's going to be constantly fighting this guy, and I've just only met him for like 20 minutes. Oh. So that was a red flag. That was a big red flag, mm. and you know, and what, I pretty much s- I pretty much came back and said, this is not one we want to go with, guys. Yeah. And so, so what are some other red flags in your experience? You know, and um. You know, this isn't to drop names or anything, but it's just more of like uh, someone's listening and saying, hey, what red flags should we be looking for when we have an opportunity like this through our conversations? Um, first, starting with maybe the person that reaches out, maybe red flags that you found in dealing with the congregation and, and seeing how maybe decisions are made. And, and if we really want to step into something like that, yeah. what are some of the red flags? I think flags red are? flags are going to be uh, an inability to to recognize and come to terms with why you became a restart in the first place. Mm. And that's important because if we're going to be, the pastor that's coming in is going to have to be a change agent. He has mm-hmm. to come in and, and he's going to institute a ton of changes. And if there's, if he's fighting. And that's hard, right? That oh, is hard. It's hard. Boy. Right. Because you want to be loved. I mean, yeah. mm. I, I remember, you know, one location I, I really, you know, I'm coming in trying to institute change, but I also want to be, I'm the new pastor, so I want to be loved and liked. Yeah. And I'm also welcoming in all these new people that are getting to see an activity and want to come in. But I remember just, uh, it was a constant fight with, uh, and, and resistance to bring about much needed change so the church would actually grow. I remember I had diarrhea for two weeks. No, no, no. I was sick for two weeks. Oh, man. And I'm being a little vulnerable here with everybody <laughs> out there. But uh, I, I, I just, I just was, my stomach was sick because of the resistance mm. uh, that, that we encountered. And it was, um, it was truly meant to be a work of God. There was so much God activity that it overcame. There was so much momentum and God activity that it overcame the resistance. But it didn't make the resistance any easier. It so resistance isn't a red flag. Well, it can be a red flag. Like that one meeting, the very initial meeting was like, whoa. Yeah. This is this is probably the reason why the church is not is in a restart situation. Yeah. Because there was resistance right out of the gate, right out of the gate. And I'm like, who needs this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't, you know. Um, maybe maybe you can feel more comfortable with somebody else, but this isn't something that New Life would walk into. So there's that, and if it feels like it's a it's a mortgage rescue or something like that, we'll, we'll walk away from it. Um, those are you know those are some of the some of the different things, but you have to go in you know eyes open because every restart is unique, and restarts are hard work. Yeah. Period. Yeah. yeah, just hard work. Yeah. What would you say is like you know obviously there's the um, I'll call it a spirit of discernment, right? Mm-hmm. In meeting with people, but that's that's really heavily dependent upon um, our ability to be listening 
to what God might be saying through these interactions, right? Because mm-hmm. we have said no, and for reasons, right? Or right. we have walked away from things. And um, you know, I know of a story where um, in our in our in our history where the vote was done, and it was it was going to be a, a, a restart, and then we we gave it back, right? You know, when we didn't have to, but we did right. because we didn't want to force ourselves into something. Um, we wanted to be invited, right? And these values are important for the the hard work that we know would be ahead, right? right. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you 100%. P- people get, you know, restarts are a, a, a faith venture. Mm. And faith involves taking risks and chances. Yeah. And it's hard. Change, people resist change. It's just in our nature. I, I resist it myself. And I understand if you're part of a church for three decades and you, you, your kids were baptized there and you were married there maybe or your kids were married there and there's so much memories and then and, and then we shift it so the church doesn't die and become a mosque or something yeah and then they take your pew away and they put and a chair there take your <laughs> pew take your chair that's my pew yeah that's my pew no new no new people are allowed to sit there this is this is my this has been our chair for three can you believe my they're sitting in my chair <laughs> right they're sitting in my pew you know that's right. my pew we don't want any new families sitting there <laughs> um, you know, and those are things you deal with. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's risky. So people, people are afraid, but you know, you have to constantly remember that there's, there's some God, um, movement taking place. Yeah. I remember at Elgin, I mean, sorry, at, uh, Melrose in the very first year that we were there, first eight months, of course, we changed the music around. We took down the th- uh, the 3M uh, projector, you know, <laughs> overhead, overhead, overhead projector. Overhead projection, yeah. yeah. So we, we dismantled that, and I still wish we had it kind of in a way. Um, and uh, we changed the music up. So we got drums and bass guitar, and we made the music a lot more uh, relatable to yeah. unchurched folks yeah. that were living in the community. It was a lot more contextualized to the community, which was 60% Hispanic, uh, large uh, African-American community in the Maywood area. We contextualized it. Uh, Joshua Hollick at that time was yeah. was my protege. He was yeah. a Moody student, so he's, he's 18, 19 years old. I'm in there with young kids, and, and we jump into this thing. And um, one Sunday, uh, Joshua came up to say, hey, hey, Pastor John, you know, uh, some, of the, some of the older folks want to meet with you tonight. I said, well, tonight? Yeah, they want to meet with you tonight. And so... I said, okay, it was a six o'clock meeting. I, I, Josh, was, Josh was there. I pull up and the parking lot's packed. Oh, man. Just jam. Oh, Joshua comes up and John, John, there's like, there's like 50 people down, downstairs. There's like 50 people. You know, what are we going to do? You know? And, uh, and so he was nervous. I was kind of nervous, but I was, I was not that nervous because I just didn't know what I was getting into. Right. You know, I was like kind of just kind of gullible. But went downstairs and, um, and there was just like a, a just basically a, a large group of people. I was almost going to say a mob, but a large group of people. And uh, and the key leader, God bless him, what a great man of God, stepped up and said, he's passed away and gone to be with the Lord, stepped up and said, Pastor, we have a problem with the music. And, uh, and then for 45 minutes, I stood there, Joshua and I stood in front of that team of people and listened and just let them just pound on us hmm. for 45 minutes. I didn't say a word for 45 minutes. That's a long time. That's a long time. <laughs> That's a long time. Five minutes. One lady in the back yells out, minutes of you guys are singing seven eleven songs, seven words, 11 <laughs> times, you know, and that kind of, that kind of thing. And, uh, and I just listened to it all. And then when they were done, uh, 
I just started talking about all the things that God had done in that six month period. I mean, we had a, the church went from uh, a, a low number of people to a large number of people. And we started seeing people get saved and baptized. Mm. But we saw one couple that were on the verge of divorce get their marriage restored and did not get divorced, kept mm. the thing together, and they got out of Jehovah Witnesses. Mm. So I just started wow. talking, I just started telling story after story. And at the end of that, that key leader, his name was Mario. Mario Coldarella. Mario. He stood up and with, his, with his cane. He stood up and said, Pastor, we need to keep the music just the way you have it. <laughs> and everybody in that room started applauding and clapping. Mm. Wow. And because they understood the bigger picture. Yeah. But it was still risky. It was, you know, they had to take a risk. They yeah. had to take a mm -hmm. risk, and we had to move in that direction. Yeah. But I, but I navigated it wisely. There was a, there was a uh, the founding uh, father of the church, so to speak. His son was pastor there for 40 years, and there was mm. a picture of him in the, in the foyer area. And I would call that a sacred cow. It was a sacred cow. I did not take that picture down for like the first 10 years. Mm. Wow. I left the picture of, of an old pastor that was signed there in wow. black and white image. Nobody really knew who he was, but, but we still kept it up there with a little plaque, and people would ask about it. Uh, and it wasn't until you know we had actually redone the foyer area that we took that down. So those are some of the kind of things that help appease the fears and the anxieties. Wait, wait, wait. is that see. the same place, where, or the office, the sacred office? No, the sacred office was a, another uh, okay. clandestine. Uh, <laughs> That's my favorite story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was quite, a, quite a story right there. We got time. You want to hear it? <laughs> it's a great come story. on. So, so there was um, we you know we we do a lot of remodeling when we go into these locations because we found a lot of the churches just they look old, they smell old, they you know they just they're not modernized. So mm -hmm. we like to kind of freshen it up with paint, maybe put a couple walls in here and there, tear a wall down or so, do redo the children's ministry, make it a little bit more modern and open for for new young families. You know, contextualization that's a key word. Excuse yeah. me, a key word. So um, there was a, a beautiful potential foyer area. And uh, I thought, man, this would be a great welcoming area for, for the, uh, the church and for new people coming in. But the fact was, of the matter was that that area was, uh, there was a pastor's office that was built in that area. So it took up the majority of, the, of that area, the foyer area. And I said, you know, we need to tear this down. Um, but I knew it was it was one of the it was the, it was the location where I had an upset stomach for a couple of weeks. And I'm okay. making all kinds of all kinds of decisions. I mean, again, for the pastor that's coming into a restart, he really needs to take on the mindset of a change agent. Yeah, you can't go in there all timid. You got to be able to make decisions and move rapidly. Do it graciously. Do it sensitively. Yeah, not a bulldog. Not a bulldog, but kind of like a bull in a china shop. A little bit. You know, you got to be able to make executive decisions and, and rapid ones because you're moving towards a grand opening deadline. Mm -hmm. And so anyways, um, I said to the, the contractor who was there, I said, we need to get this down. And he goes, okay, no, not a problem, Pastor. I said, but we need to do it today. He needs to get down. He goes, uh, I, oh, I said, we need to do it tonight. He goes, no problem. I have my, my small group of guys. They would love to come in here and demolish this thing. <laughs> so that night, you know, under this clandestine, uh, we, we went like, in there. Like, and Like a bunch of secret agents. Secret you know, agents. It was kind of like Gideon. We snuck in there at night, <laughs> tore down the altar. I know? love it. I love and, it. Uh, and then, you know, you walk in the next day and it's gone. Nobody could argue yeah, with it. Wow. And that became, seriously, is one of the most beautiful 
yeah. foyers of all the new life locations. Yeah. You walk in there, it's like it was yeah. meant to be this beautiful <laughs> gathering place. Why? Because it's not about the building, really, is it? Right. It's about people. So let's make the building um, comfortable for people and make it a place where people gather. It's designed for people to gather. And that's one of the most beautiful yeah. foyers mm. uh, in all the new life locations. But again, it was a, so the contractor at the end of that project, he gives me a sledgehammer with a broken handle. He goes, here, this reminds me of you. <laughs> he goes, you know when to hit soft and you know when to hit hard. And that's, still, that's like a trophy. Now that brother's gone to be with the Lord. You know, he's wow. he, that contractor just recently passed away, but he gave me this and I still treasure that. I don't want to get a new handle for it. I like that broken ragged edge, you know? So, but again, it, it kind of goes to the, to the question that you it's, had. It's risky though. Like it's I, risky. I like what you said about that, about risk, taking risk. Danny, you're right in the middle of this just a couple months in, man. Talk to us about risk. We took lots of risks. In fact, I made, I made numerous phone calls to John during the, the, this uh, restart. It right. pretty much was a restart. Uh, and I, I love the whole idea of not just restarting a, a church or a ministry, but really a culture. Yes. We, mm-hmm. had to, we, we had to restart because the community, uh, we had, there were a lot of cultural drivers that were clear in the community, but uh, the people in this church refused to change. Mm. They wanted to keep, that's the whole sacred cow. They wanted to keep what had been there for 20, 25 years. And we're coming in saying, well, no, everything's changing and it's changing fast. So in, in regards to taking risks and making decisions, uh, I'm, I'm with you too, because I was nervous and angry in numerous occasions because there was so much kickback, but yet there was like, we, we want to invite you into what's happening, but we want to keep it like this, but we're inviting you and they would push back. And so there was a lot of confusion. Yeah. And there's like, well, what are you guys and, saying? And, and what's <clears throat> neat about that is that Danny wasn't all by himself. Right. You know, he, he was able to, and that same thing f- for me at, at one of the restarts was I was the pastor and it was recognized that I was a pastor. So the new life team came in and did a lot of the heavy lifting, yeah, yeah. which freed me up to be the nice guy, <laughs> you know, which freed me up to be the pastor, the shepherd, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which, which a lot of the people, especially older folks are, uh, have a hard time with it because it's scary. Yeah, it, and I understand that. And I compassionately understand that. Yeah. And what's beautiful is now a lot of these restarts are not only changing uh, and looking more like the neighborhood, but they're also so they're not only multi-ethnic, but they're also multi-generational. And that's yes. one of the greatest greatest assets we have is that you're. And just, that's uncommon, I would right. say. Yeah. Very uncommon. Yeah, we do not go in, and, and do a funeral service. Amen. Say what was done was done in the past. It's over with. Done. We actually go in. Uh, to a restart and say we're just continuing on the what God has started here 70 years ago yeah and so against lawyers advice yeah uh, because it's more philosophical in our understanding is lawyers that tell us you need to cut that entity down any kind of liabilities that are with that entity uh, it get it so that it's non-existent anymore we say no 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 this is like a marriage we're getting we're getting married here. We're continuing the work of God, so we're going to take on all the liabilities too. Yeah, all. So the, if there's yeah. if there's this from way back then, it needs to get. Now we do a good search. We do it wisely. If it's too crazy, then we start to really evaluate and ask: Is this is this detrimental to the overall new life family? Then we may walk from it. But but we do take on that again against lawyers' advice and say we're going to continue on as. As, so, for example, Elgin Bible Church is now New Life Com- Community Church, but Elgin Bible Church still exists, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It still legally exists, but it's now as New Life Community Church. Mm-hmm. 
You follow me? Yeah. So, so when I get up on a Sunday morning, I, I can say we've been doing ministry here at this place for 70 years. Yeah. And we're standing on the shoulders of those who sacrificed and prayed. You know, I mean, Elgin Bible Church was founded by an evangelist from Canada who was doing a Bible study at the Elgin Watch Factory. Wow. And that morphed into a little Bible study that was in a automotive shop with a mud floor. And then eventually there was enough money gathered where they were by the acreage where the church is at right now. But yeah. that history is so important to the congregation. Yeah. And it's real important to the charter members, so to speak. Yeah. That actually founded the church, sacrificed and gave. And, and it's a beautiful thing. That's why I love restarts. Mm -hmm. Because really it's, it's about recognizing sacred space and coming in and restoring it. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it takes risks and it's hard. Here's the other. Here's the other point. Sorry, I'm on a roll. No, here. go ahead. Go ahead. But uh, another point is to understand that restarts are not a magic bullet. Hmm. Restarts involve sweat. Every every incremental point of growth, whether it's in numbers or finances or whatever it is, involves sweat. It involves tears. It involves blood. Hmm. It involves hmm. sacrifice. Yeah, and it's and it's you have to work. Everybody has to step up. It's not like just New Life comes in and everything's going to be great and I can kind of sit in the pew and, and just kind of observe. And No, everybody steps up. Why? Because we got company coming. Yeah. Mm. We got guests coming. Yeah. We're inviting 60,000 people in the surrounding communities to come and join us for this grand opening. Some of them will be well-wishers. Some of them will stay. Some of them will come to know the Lord like they did on the grand opening at, on, on Sunday. Uh, it was Alec and, and Maria who came to know, Mark and, and Maria who came to know Christ uh, on our grand opening day wow. uh, at uh, New Life Elgin. So that, that kind of thing happens. But, it, but go into it with the understanding that it's not a magic bullet. It doesn't yeah. just happen overnight. It just doesn't. It's work. And it yeah. stays and continues to be work. Yeah. You mentioned something, and, and uh, Danny, you can speak to this too. You know, when... Um, Specifically at New Life, you know, for those listening that are thinking about or asking questions about, you know, restarts, how does New Life do restarts? You know, when we uh, say yes to a restart, uh, that location pastor who steps into that role, which we're going to, our next episode is going to heavily talk about that, um, that location pastor doesn't step into that situation alone. Right. And that's one of the strengths, I would say, about, about our team is that not only is there a pastoral team with wisdom, a phone call to someone like you, John, who's been through this, you know, multiple times and has tons of experience in this. And you got someone like Danny who can call you and ask, hey, how do I do this? But but also I want to highlight what we call central services, because I think that's a huge, huge aspect to why we're able to be the pastors um, loving the people, working through uh, honoring the legacy of the location mm -hmm. and not getting bogged down on the bills and how things are paid. Central services is a huge, huge um, help, I would say, mm -hmm. to the location pastor and the pastoral team. So talk to us a little about that. You mentioned about 10 percent, you know, of our of our uh, each location contributing. But there's another 10 percent. Right. That goes towards central services. And, and talk to right. us about that. Danny, talk to us about how. Um, you know, Central Services and the man, Kent Richardson. Mm. Everybody needs a Kent. We'll talk about yeah, that. I think Kent. we should have an entire yeah. series, <laughs> all right, about how every church needs a Kent because he really is like, yeah. he's amazing. So uh, talk to us about Central Services, your experience, and, and how it's helped you. Central Services for me was key. Um, and the word Central Services is a general term of a lot of 
gears, just these moving gears. Central services for us pastors, launching pastors or restart pastors is like the transmission to an engine. Hmm. There's so many gears that are so powerful. Yeah, you had yeah, we had Kent, but man, we also had Shirley and we had Isabel and we had Irene and all of these people were key people who took care of uh, different aspects of the whole launch or the whole relaunch. They took care of things that I had no idea or no information about, but they're like, just give me the paperwork and we'll take care of it from our end and you take care of what's important. John kept on reminding me, uh, Danny, your job is keep that relationship fresh. Keep the relationship alive, you know, be the pastor, use your giftings, and then they took care of the rest. And in that process of, of me discovering this, this community, this area, these people, uh, a whole nother different type of church, it was a Spanish church, um, I had to keep on um, learning people. And then I would go back to John, say, John, I bumped into this roadblock. What do I do? Hmm. How do I manage this? Or there was one situation where uh, the, the situation was too big for me to handle because it, it got personal because I'm a, I'm, I'm a pastor, a personal guy. And I, and so I called them and it was so cool because hours later they were ready. And then and it was you and Pastor Mark. Uh, it just showed up and we had to do it via Zoom. All this was happening during pandemic, wow. by the way, which was a miracle of miracles that we were able to launch a ch- relaunch a church during the middle of a pandemic. And it just, and everything still fell in place. Yeah. Uh, so central services, and the team, let me bring back another another idea that I, I, I don't want to miss is as a launching pastor, it was so good for me to know I had a powerful team that was right behind me, supporting me, moving me, encouraging me, yeah. uh, equipping me for every every step I had to take. Yeah, it was Profound. Yeah. Well, so you, so the different aspects too, and, and you know, for someone listening to this, right, you have your pastoral team, yes. right? People like John, you have a, uh, uh, John's also a coach at New Life. And so you have a coach, right? Uh, somebody who's, who's, um, who's able to speak into you as a, as a location pastor. But then you have the strength of this team, Central Services, which is dealing with a lot of the, um, uh, you know, legal things, communication yes. things, and the uh, financial, financial things, budgets. right? Um, Irene, you know, uh, kind of like HR, you know, uh, when it comes to paperwork and filing things and, and, and legalities. Yeah. All of that stuff. And, and, and every new life location puts forward, right. Um, um, uh, money towards that monthly to pay for, to hire basically that team, yeah. which services, Every location at New Life Community Church, right? right? John, talk to right. me about that. Well, that's which means if, if which means, for example, New Life Elgin uh, was when we had that grand opening. It was a, a time for everybody to celebrate. Yeah. Why? Mm. Because everybody participated in it. Yeah. Not only did they pray, not only did they tell people about it, but they also part of our part of our offering goes to help uh, towards home missions. So yeah. we we tithe off of our offering ten percent. And part of that goes towards home missions, which is our church planting and our restart fund. Yeah. But you know, there's there's a lot of things when we when we do it when we start a restart, we, we try to provide several different things for that particular location. Uh, one of those things is a roadmap, so to speak, mm-hmm. where we we set the date of the grand opening at a certain point, 
and then we kind of reverse engineer it. So yeah. this is the grand opening. Okay, so we need to do this right before this, 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 all the way up to the very first where we're doing prayer walks and having prayer meetings in the front end yeah. of it and kind of planning. But with so with all that, so we provide the roadmap. The pastor's got a big plays a big part in being the lead guy on that. He may also be working with the contract contractors yeah. to help do the restart which is yeah. cool about the chicagoland area is we have a lot of a lot of contractor yeah. connections so we're able to get you know good pricing we're able to uh, get wrap teams in there rapid it's not mm-hmm. like we're way out someplace where there isn't contractors around and we're able to use a lot of guys within our own church so we're able to provide that upgrade yeah. in mm. the building uh, because of our connections but then again like you were saying there's this whole central services piece that's doing all that's freeing up the pastor from admin because mm-hmm. imagine all the admin amen. amen can we yeah. all just say that amen. yeah amen. <laughs> the pastor's freed up from all the admin and he's able to focus on what's the most important which is for the pastor is it's building relationships yeah, yeah. got to get in there and build relational equity with the core team that's existed there for years who's taking a risk feels vulnerable a little bit scared mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have a bunch of new people that start coming. They see the activity. I remember at one location we were doing a bunch of, a bunch of construction and stuff, and, and it was right on the corner of, of a neighborhood. It was in the neighborhood, uh, kind of like a, a parish, so to speak. Mm. But it was right on the corner. Somebody said it was. I was astounded by this. I in the, my picture was all on all these postcards. Somebody said, hey, you're the pastor, aren't you? Huh. They recognized me from the postcard. <laughs> but then they said, we you're didn't even realize. You're a rock realize... star, man. Yeah, well, no. It's good for dart, throwing darts <laughs> at that picture. Uh, but they said, we didn't even realize there was a church here. Wow. Think about that. Wow. The church was open and existed, but nobody realized it was a church until they started. To... I so remember. Are you, saying, I remember are you this... saying that they needed just a picture of a nice, handsome Italian man <laughs> to, <laughs> to <laughs> recognize there's a church there? No, <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah, no. And then, uh, you know, at that at that lo- at that particular location, I remember one of the first decisions I made was to take the sign down that was in the parking lot that was that was nailed to the building that said um, "No ball playing hmm. in this parking lot." You know, the kids in the neighborhood weren't allowed to play ball. So take that sign down. They're welcome to play ball here. Put a piece of plexiglass up there to protect the window. Boom. But they're allowed to play ball in this neighborhood. There you go. You know, cool. it's just you know, oh, let's recognize that we're we're a church in the community and we're we're interfacing. So, but um, that's just a little side story. Sure. Yeah. But um, so we, associate, we we do all the admin, all the central services, okay, which is legal interface with lawyers and that kind of thing. But we also provide uh, the leader with a coach. So he's able to navigate like Danny was saying. Uh, we do all the preparations for the grand opening. So we yeah. include funding, some minimal funding, $50,000 or so. We're also paying for the lawyer fees, okay, and that kind of thing. So um, and we do that reverse engineering, which is really an important piece where we, where we, we have a, a schedule for marketing. We have a schedule for construction. We have a schedule for uh, how we're going to do the grand opening, which is usually a big, big to-do. It's like a big party. Yeah. Um, we're able to coach the pastor on, on you know, talking about vision and navigating them through that. So that's another going back to why I'm excited about restarts. It's not only restarting a church, but it's also providing and placing a new pastor into a congregation where he's a part of a team, mm-hmm. where he's a lot less able to fail. Yeah. doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. It's not a silver yeah. bullet, but he's in a context where, man, we're doing everything we can to see you win. Yeah. And then we provide, try to provide a core team. So yeah. if there's locations around 
uh, that particular new restart. We'll say, hey, we'll hive off. Maybe we'll hive off uh, 15 people from uh, New Life Oak Forest and some from Homer Glen, and we'll do a new replant. Yeah. Uh, so we try to provide a core team yeah. along with, if possible, no promises, yeah. a worship team. Hey. You know, so we set things in place. We have our, our worship uh, leader residency. Uh, yeah. Residency. We have, uh, you know, some pastoral training, helping with the leadership pipeline and that kind of thing. So, yeah, those are important. And, and you know, kind of what you're, you're saying too, like um, with these training up of leaders, right? We, mm -hmm. you really are uh, at every moment, every location pastor or, or us at New Life, when we think about restarts and the type of uh, grit, I'll say, mm -hmm. right? The type of grit it takes. Yeah, we got a tremendous team that carries a lot of weight, but that does not relieve the location pastor and the person stepping into that role. Uh, they can't be a weak person. Right. Uh, they can't have uh, soft skin. They got to have they got to have a, a level of grit to be able to go into a situation mm -hmm. like that because it is hard work. Right. You know, and um, and what I found is, you know, and there's a balance there, too, between, you know, because when people know you love them, Mm -hmm. you can you can you can lead them a lot easier yeah and it, you can't pretend to love people people can see through that yeah but there i think that god does provide a grace upon a pastor because listen the lord loves his church yeah mm -hmm. he's in he's a he walks among the churches he's so acquainted with the church mm -hmm. he realizes you know that this is a tender moment and this is hard and some people are going to have a real real hard time with it but i think he graces mm -hmm. that pastor um to to really love people supernaturally it gives them a gives a passion for that a compassion and i think when you have the compassion and the competence piece to be able to navigate yeah. uh, as a change agent you really you really get someplace with with the location but there is that supernatural element mm -hmm. um and so uh, I found that I found that true in my own life, and I've seen yeah. it over and over again in different locations that we've pastored. Yeah. Now I've been a location pastor now for four years, but I grew up in New Life, and 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 actually my kind of rise within leadership didn't start on the pastoral journey, but more on the worship leader side. Mm -hmm. So me growing up, and you mentioned this earlier, uh, you know, when we weren't recording, but um, and I want you to talk about it because I think it's so important of inviting people of with potential to sit at the table, yeah. right? And kind of you intentionally putting them in, and sometimes like above their pay grade type of opportunities, right. you know? Um, I remember going to, uh, I can't remember how many locations I've helped with, but I, as a younger guy, I remember leading worship. I was at a bunch of different locations helping them out, you know? And I would right. go there and start a team from the community for the community and then I'd move on. Um, and, and it was through that, invitation to sit at something that was way bigger than me and to learn things about culture and different locations that that I really do believe has prepared me and helped me for the season of life and that when I'm in you right were now. first invited into some of those higher pay grade so to speak situations did you have a sense of feeling of adequacy did you feel like yeah man I've right you Not felt a sense <laughs> of how in the world who am I I'm like what am I doing here right you know there's this uh there's what's the word it's a complex I can't remember what it's called um like imposter complex, right? Yeah. Where like, if they only knew I have no idea what I'm doing, 
they would See. they would chase me out of here. So, <laughs> well, I mean, so, so. Well, launching pastors. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing this for a long time, and still I feel like I have no idea what I'm yeah. doing. And, and maybe we never feel that we're adequate. We probably right? don't. Man. Our adequacies in Christ, but I I totally agree, and I think that something important is arising here when it comes to leadership development, which I think, by the grace of God, has been something that's been passed down to us from from one of our. Uh, fathers so to speak which yeah. was bob job to be honest yeah. with you uh pastor mark's uh, dad who was a veteran missionary in spain came over and was on staff for just a couple of years you know and uh, it was strange you know, having bob reporting to his son mark mm. but bob always brought in uh bob passed on i think a a value to believe in people that most people wouldn't believe in and that value was in it was in Bob. It was passed down to Mark, and I think is definitely was. I, I look at myself and think I shouldn't even be a pastor, you know. Um, but God has graciously provided, and that that same value has been passed on over and over and over again. Where and I and I think I see it in Jesus, you know, picking some of the most least, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. most uneducated, the yeah. most, you know. It's like yeah. that's just I love that spirit, and so that that same spirit. Of of bringing in just men that are called of God that that have character, uh, they may not have arrived with the greatest experience, may not have the highest education, but but are men that are called of God, recognizing that and then giving them an opportunity. And that's what I like about restarts because what it does is it provides opportunities uh, for guys to get in, even if they're not the le- the lead guy. Hmm. Uh, these are the kind of things like we were saying earlier that you don't learn from it from an education. Yeah, these are things you have to be kind of in. There isn't a restart class in seminary. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to kind of navigate it. It's it's about people. It's different, yeah. and you have to be in this. So as a as a as a lead launching pastor, um, I've always tried to bring. I've always highly valued bringing bringing guys in that uh, are younger than me or not as experienced or may. And just give them the, the shot. First of all, I have some selfish reasons behind it too. I need help. You know, I need help. I don't care who you are. Do you know Jesus, man? That's great. Okay. Are you breathing yeah, yeah. as yeah. you love Jesus. Yeah, you're doing communion days, man. I'm wiped out. You know, John, just, John is toast. the best delegator in the world. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, for selfish reasons. No. But no, but there is something real important, and I've always been very intentional about this: is to to give guys to take risks, to give guys yeah. opportunities to to be in situations where they're going to grow and they're going to learn and they're going to be stretched. Yeah. And never, n- never putting so much pressure on it, they feel like obligated to have to do it. But, you know, you get a, you get a young, hungry tiger in your midst. You mm-hmm. need to feed them. <laughs> yeah. Give them opportunities to. So there's a, there's a, what Restarts do is provide a great environment to learn on-the-job training. Yeah. I like to think of it as an apprentice. Yes. Hey, man, come and learn how to solder these copper pipes with me. Hey man, let's learn how to do an, a circuit of electricity in this room. Hey, let's learn how to install uh, this furnace and put on proper ductwork and so forth. And you're going to watch how I do it, and then you're going to do it, and we kind of move along. And I think restarts and church planting is a great opportunity. Yeah. Um, so that's a real uh, a real call to the to the lead launching pastor to be secure enough in himself to take a young guy underneath of him and train him. Yeah. We certainly saw it in the life of the Apostle Paul and his yeah. relationship mm-hmm. with Timothy, Timothy yeah. right? And uh, so There's we, so much parallels to what we do, you know, and, and even, you know, even the, this podcast, thinking that this might be 
some of that coaching for somebody else. Right. You know, it's it's beautiful. There's it's, just something, you know, kingdom minded about it that yeah. excites me. You know? I think for a lot of our, our listeners too, what, what they're what you're observing right now is a transition of a very intentional transition of of I wouldn't consider us old. You know, of course but, not. But, but, but kind of founding leaders mm-hmm. intentionally, intentionally, uh, not because we have to, but intentionally saying we're going to pass this this work of God onto the next generation. Mm. And you're you're seeing it even in this podcast. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, the fact that you know you're hosting this, Eric, and you were in my wife's Sunday school class. Yeah, I, I love it. You know, yeah. and and the fact that you're a peer, mm-hmm. you're a peer, you're a pastor, you're you're a location pastor. Uh, that's that's that says a lot, and I, I hope I really do hope uh, that people see what's happening here because it's it's unique, and you get to see it from a podcast level, you know. But there's other things, right? But but I think the reason I'm bringing this all up in the context of restarts is because restarts provide a great opportunity for for other leaders to kind of fill in the vacuum, fill in the gap, and that's certainly one thing that we really want to see more of yeah. is availability of, of leaders. And I think what's offered uniquely here at New Life is the team approach, the relational yeah. team piece. And that's a whole other conversation. Maybe that's a conversation for a podcast that in, in the future. of How do you function healthy in a team environment, <laughs> yeah. a pastoral team environment? Because that's another, in my opinion, unique, very unique thing that we do here at New Life. Yeah. And, uh, and I hope that we do everything we can in our power to keep it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. What do you think, Danny? Any any words of wisdom? No, other than uh, going back to the whole team idea. I, I work best in team. I, I'm I, I don't I don't do well solo. Um, whether it's my my personality type or anything, but I lo- I love working. When I came on staff in two thousand and eight, one of the things that attracted me was the team aspect, and of course the vision. These are two beautiful pillars for me phenomenal vision and great team i was i was like man i want to be part of that little did i know what i was really getting into mm-hmm. uh it was and it, it's it's always been a great adventure but i think for me one of the most important aspects is team and it's so diverse and yet so beautiful at the same mm. time yeah and i think also the the bigger question that we could maybe unpackage in the future in a different episode is okay we're doing all this work really hard work leading up to a grand opening. Grand opening is a big, phenomenal success. It's so much fun. It's so energizing. But then there's the following Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And, and now Sunday. the work begins. Yeah. And that's why I think it's real important to make sure that we're, we're prepping and training the pastors and the congregation where we're doing a restart with uh, the ability to, to do the right work or develop the right habits Okay, so that the church can can sustain the momentum that they gained from the grand opening. Yeah. You follow me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that means, if we're going to be specific, it means navigating some of the, the primary systems in a church that keep it healthy. Evangelism, worship, mm-hmm. teaching and preaching, small groups, mm-hmm. assimilation or guest services. Huge. It's, huge. It's huge. And there needs to be training. Yeah of the congregation that exists there, even if it's just 15 or 10 people, yeah. training that that look, launch pastor has to have with that congregation prior to the grand opening. So that when grand opening comes, 
everybody's on the same page mm-hmm. yeah. and we have a system they have an, on the same page of being a friendly and creating a welcoming environment okay but then also having a system down we're able to follow up we're able to capture uh, first time guests information and then follow up with proper yeah yeah uh, information about the church and letters yeah. and that kind of thing it's just a whole nother program. yeah there's so much we're just what we're doing right now in this first episode is we're just opening up the topic right. of what restarts are. there's so much that goes into it i'm really excited about kind of keeping this conversation going in our next episode we're going to be hearing from from pastor danny lopez and just this yeah. whole uh, uh restart adventure that he is on currently but also mm-hmm. kind of what led up to that so um but we'll save that for episode two it's coming up i want to thank Thank you for listening to this podcast. We're really grateful um, that you would listen to the content that we're, we're bringing. It's our aim. It's our aim, our goal, our prayer that this content would be helpful uh, to you, to your church, or maybe to the thinking that you have for evangelism and and uh, and and the church opportunities in your in your area. Um, but maybe there's someone that you you know that needs to hear this podcast. They need to they need to get this content too. It would mean the world to us if you would share this podcast with them. Um, of, of course, we'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast so that you can stay uh, up to date with what's happening next and, and, um, and be, um, be ready for our next episode as we hear a real-life restart story um, from the perspective of the location pastor, which I think is huge. We're going to try to gather some different perspectives of a restart, and one of those is going to be from the, the location pastor. So stay tuned, and uh, we'll see you next time.